on this week's episode of the Green Door Podcast. We're down to just the lads again as May is off saving the world from shadow and flame. So we've decided to sit by the seashore near an island with unbreakably deep roots. We'll discuss an island that becomes a fairy and then later becomes a fairy island. We'll answer a listener question about all of the exciting action figures and fee fi fo finrod we're gonna kick around some f words all this and much more coming up right now here by the uh, cedars hey mate oh it's been a lovely walk i've just been walking through this forest behind me yeah i thought i could hear you as i was doing my bullet points man i'm glad we ran into each other because i can smell the sea from here oh it's beautiful isn't it look at that view terrific let's keep walking we're we're getting close to where we need to be have you been here before Uh, in body no but in my mind maybe a thousand times Tell you what, James, this coastline is amazing. It is so beautiful. It is, Ads. Uh, I I love the fact that uh, with the wind up like this, the visibility is so good, and uh, we we can see so far. It's it's just gorgeous, but but hard to walk. Yeah, definitely. No, definitely. What's that in the distance? Is that is that's that's Bilar, isn't it? It is. That's where and that's where we're headed. We we've been uh, so we've been traveling and, and journeying for a while for this location, but it's uh, it's the perfect one for tonight's episode, Ads. Yeah, it's 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 gonna be ideal. I can already feel the vibes coming. Yeah, we'll just make our way uh, around the next corner and out to that point. And yeah. I think uh, where the waves are breaking uh, there will be a good place uh, to set up the equipment. Maybe sheltered a bit from from the wind behind those rocks. Yeah, and I, I can see some wood there as well, so that'll make for a good fire, which, uh, as you know, we need. Definitely, traditions uh, are important ads, and so, uh, yeah, I, I think um, it's too bad it's just the two of us, because three would set this this uh, little setup yeah, much wh- more quickly. Where is May? Well, unfortunately for us, or maybe very fortunately, since we won't have to fight the three Balrogs she's facing. <laughs> um, yeah, true. May's off uh, taking care of the world and, and making uh, everything safer for us by defeating evil. Wow. Wow. G- Gandalf would be impressed. He would. Uh, and she's an impressive lady, but unfortunately she won't be joining us tonight. You'll be missed, mate. She will. Uh, Ads, I see, I see uh, this area is about as good as we're going to get, so why don't I start setting up the equipment, uh, microphones, and a place to sit while you kindle a fire sure okay yeah good idea well ads uh, does sort of set that up there and uh, he, he doesn't need his axe because he karate chops the bigger pieces um, well ads does that I'll welcome everybody to this windy location I, I hope it's not too cold and you've got a sweater uh, we're in a bit of a sheltered spot here uh, so hopefully the uh, fresh sea air uh, and the cool wind uh, helps set the tone for this chapter about uh, elves and a crossing of the sea. Ads, are you ready over there to light that fire? Yep, yep, here we go. 
No, well done, sir. Um, leave it to ads. Like a, like a, uh, a good dwarf uh, would be proud of the fire you can build <laughs> in these conditions. That's a good um, one, isn't it, this week? Look at that. No, that is a good one. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's gaining in size quickly, which is nice because that wind is chilly and uh, the warmth from the fire uh, will help out a little bit. Uh, everybody gather around. I, I see that our little group is growing. Uh, we save lots of room, uh, as, as we always do, for newcomers. And if you're new to the show, welcome. Uh, yep. We do these uh, little setups and uh, we try to set the mood um, for these little locations in Middle Earth because uh, we think it's fun. And hopefully uh, you've br- bought, brought something to sit on and a good attitude because uh, sitting by the sea is uh, always tumultuous. Absolutely. Ads. Um, what a chapter we have. I know. I'm really I... excited. I'm really, really, really excited to be back at it. We've been... Um, I have to apologize to our... And there are listeners. We do have them. You guys do chime <laughs> in and we appreciate it. Um, and and we got to thank you guys for your patience. The summer for us has been just brutal to get episodes out. Uh, we've yeah. had no ability to find um, scheduling, uh, you know, opportunities. We've had no uh, way to, to get our stars aligned. Uh, Varda hasn't been uh, smiling on us. And, uh, <laughs> we just ha- have not recorded, eh? No, it's, it's been tr- tricky, isn't it? I mean, it, there's been times when I can do it, but, but you can't or may can't and vice versa. And as we've said many a time, you know, we've all got families and kids and, you know, not least there's a, a difference in time zones and it is tricky. So um, we're here. We've been a bit entish, you know. We've taken our time, but we're back. And I imagine we'll crack out a few episodes relatively quickly now that the nights are getting longer yeah i like the uh, the longer nights i'm i am a night owl and uh, not that this is dark business but uh, dark for dark business um, <laughs> sort of always strikes me when i'm podcasting at night so yeah let's jump in to um tell the listeners uh, and everybody who's sitting with us here at the uh, now roaring fire ads uh, what we're going to be talking about tonight let's let's uh, sort of preview the whole thing we're going to jump into the amazon series which is coming up Yes. Um, we're going to dive into that mailbag, uh, which I hope you've brought along. I didn't see it. Is it in your pack? Oh, oh yeah. No, I've got it. Yeah, I've got it here. Yeah. Jeez, my heart <laughs> skipped a beat. Um, no, no, I, I knew you would have it. That's terrific. Always alive. We've got, we've got at least one piece of mail in there, and so we'll address that, and yeah. then we'll talk about Chapter 5 uh, of The Silmarillion. And if you're still with us and, and reading along, uh, this chapter is another short one, not quite as short as uh, Chapter 4 of uh, Thingle and Melian, <laughs> but uh, it's not a long one, but it is filled with some really beautiful stuff and a few shouts yeah. uh, to the movies and books that more people know, the Lord of the Rings um, book and movies get some shouts in this one. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's do that. Amazon. Definitely, yes. Go for it. What do you think? <sighs> you know, let's, let's um, warn everybody that uh, we are probably going to sound a little <clears throat> unsure or uh, wary of, uh, of what's coming, or we're going to sound a little pessimistic. I guess that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, maybe. And uh, I don't mean to be, and I'll, I'll, so I'm preempting it by saying, underneath it all, I am hopeful. But uh, when it comes to the Amazon series, I'm noticing ads, uh, and we're in, we're in uh, chat rooms and we're in social media groups with a lot of you know, Tolkien fans which makes sense. Hmm. So I'm not talking about the average person, but uh, not that our fans aren't average. They're perfectly average ads. Um, <laughs> He's trying to compliment you guys. <laughs> he is trying. It's not coming across, but that was a compliment. Yeah. You, <laughs> you are average. average. <laughs> um, 
Um, but yeah, I've noticed amongst uh, certain groups of people that there's a, a pessimism, an under, underlying reluctance, and underlying sort of fear about what's coming. And I share a little bit ads. And, and uh, what, how, how are you feeling about it? Now, yeah, I, I know you are. I, and I, as you said, you know, we've been in conversations in our own Facebook group, and we, we have friends in there who are wary. Um, I think, I think there's a fear and a worry that actually Tolkien's life work is going to be somewhat marred or um, spoilt by a, an attempt to gain an audience that are that are your average you know, watcher of films and TV programmes. I think there's a, an attempt perhaps to create another Game of Thrones and the that. huge success that Game of Thrones has become. Um, and I, th I think that's where the, the wariness is because not every Tolkien fan wants a Game of Thrones-style TV um, programme. I, I think you hit the uh, nail on the proverbial head with that. The Game of Thrones fear, that's mm. what we're going to call it. It's, it really is a Game of Thrones fear. And I, I even think and believe that most many Tolkien fans like Game of Thrones. Many do. I love it. But I have to say, it's brilliant. There it's, you go. Yeah, but I've not... I've read half the books. I haven't mm -hmm. read all of the books. Um, probably because the actual TV series uh, has overtaken them. And, you know, that will finish before the last book has been released. Mm -hmm. uh, it is brilliant, fantastic. But People love it. Yeah. And, and it's, it's geared for the masses, especially the, the TV uh, production. The, the production value is very high. Yeah. Uh, tons of violence and tons of sexuality. And, and that does sell to the masses. It always has. Like, you know, I'm, it's, it's like gladiators on TV it's modern day Coliseum it is but it's you don't you don't need to see you don't need to see Aragorn getting jiggy and I uh, I think that's, that's where it comes because if if this is as rumored gonna be about a young Aragorn you want it to still remain consistent with the story you want it to be respectful to Tolkien's um, you know life work and if it is sexed up or made to try and appeal to the non-Tolkien fan, that's where the danger is, I think. Yeah, and that's what I think a lot of uh, people are sort of worried about. And I'll say there aren't, if, you, if they stay at all true to what they've got uh, the rights to, which I've said before and I'll say again, they can't do the Silmarillion as much as people want them to. They just don't own the rights to that. That's mm. why we're talking young Aragorn. Those, those um, ideas are in the pages of Lord of the Rings and the appendices, yeah. which they do own the rights to. But um, there aren't, if you stay true to it, Aragorn was raised by elves, and there's just not a lot of sexuality in the elves in the pages of Lord of the Rings. No. There just aren't, isn't. He, no. I could see, and I'm sure they'll take these opportunities, and I, I don't think I would mind nearly as much. I can see them... Um, getting raunchy when because Aragorn does, does spend some times in, uh, you know and, and does some sussing out in the world of men in like some sort of more outlying savager 
barbaric areas. Mm. So he does spend some time there as a young man, sort of you know sussing out things and, and learning. And, and I could see them taking advantage of those times to, to raunch it up and, and put in some sexy um, female human characters. But I don't want to see it at all, at all, at all. Not uh, in in the elves in, in Rivendell in in when you know when he's spending time with people who are. I don't want to say that the elves are just too classy for that. I, I, there's got to be a better word, but they're too eloquent. They're too sophisticated. They're too... There's, there's a, a many better words than classy, and, and they are all of those things for them to raunch it up, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think it's more likely... Because they're not, they're not stupid. They are going to be aware of the fears. Um, I think there's, there's still the possibility to create a... Game of Thrones style uh, TV show that still attracts the the non Tolkien fan whilst remaining respectful and I think you probably find that if they want to go down a more violent route they could probably get away with that I think it is the, the risque the raunchiness that they won't be able to do yeah and, and you don't need um, overly gory, but violent is fine. I, I, I'm, I'm okay with it being a, a pretty violent uh, place. And if that's the, the route they go, I'd be happier with that than raunchy. Yeah. Uh, you were, and you were sort of saying, you know, as, as a fan, watching what's happening in fandoms, you par- sort of paralleled it to something that's going on in, in uh, one of our other sort of places yeah. where our hearts spend a lot of time, the Star Wars universe. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, you want to talk about that? Yeah, I do. Um, I think I think the two of us have quite similar similar views on um, the Last Jedi, and you know we basically we became friends through a podcast called Tumbling Saber, um, and you should definitely check check that out. They do a brilliant job um, every week. But we spent the best part of two years waiting for this film to arrive, and. I know you absolutely hate it. <laughs> I have some, I have some quite strong reservations about it. It's certainly not anywhere near the top of my list. Um, I wouldn't say hate because only the strongly dislike and absolute. So. But I, <laughs> I don't but, love it. But I think what what I really don't like about the Last Jedi is the is the effect it has had on social media on mm-hmm. on a on a place that for a long long time was so much fun and yes, ever since that film has been released it feels like you're not allowed to really like the film or not like the film it, you come up against attack from one side or the other or you feel you have to justify yourself as to why you don't like it or why you do like it and it's the people so that like it are desperate to make other people like it and the people that hate it are desperate to make <laughs> anyone else hate it and it's Seems just that way for it's sure. just exhausting it is um, um yeah I, I see that fear and i as much as i think uh, it's possible and i, I have that same fear I, I wonder too if because that's a blockbuster movie and this will be it will be a blockbuster TV series. I just don't think it'll have the same fallout. Um, I think that's even, a, if it's, even if it's not well received. I think that's a really, really good point. Um, I hadn't thought of that. The film to the TV, uh, it is very different, I would agree. 
Yeah, and it's, there's something about, I don't know, uh, I think hardcore Tolkien, I, yeah, hardcore, to, hardcore Tolkien fans, I think, consider the books canon first. Oh, I know they do. Um, whereas hardcore Star Wars fan consider movies canon. And so a new movie that comes out that's terrible is a real affront to their, to their um, faniverse because it's yeah. in the exact format of the things that they hold the most prized. Whereas, you know, the, I can see the Tolkien people going like, wow, that, you know, it's just, that's that TV series that doesn't, that doesn't count. The real but, Lord of the Rings is the books. But saying, saying that, I mean, you have the, the trilogy, the, the, the original Star Wars trilogy, which for many of the sort of the older fan, that was their childhood, their childhood sort of film, their fantasy, their escape. Um, now, if you, if you compare that to, to Tolkien, you've got these fantastic books um, from, from yesteryear. You know, they've been around for a long, long time. Now, this Amazon TV series is coming along to create, for the first time in many, many years, this new part of the uh, Tolkien experience. It's true. Um, and you could argue it's doing what Disney did you know, four or five years ago, coming along out of the blue to suddenly create more Star Wars. Well, this is this is Amazon coming along to create more, um, you know, more Lord of the Rings, more more of the Hobbit, more of the. I appreciate Silmarillion isn't going to be it, but you know, it's still stories and characters from this um, older, established um, setup. Yeah, no, you're not wrong, and and. You know we're hungry for it, so I think, I think that's why with all the pessimism, you still ha- you know there still is a buzz, and I, I think it is a growing buzz too. I think I'm sort of hearing more and more about it. Uh, maybe people are a bit fearful, but that's because we love this stuff so much. So, uh, you know, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep fearful but hopeful. That's my my official stance. Yeah, I I, I would agree, and I know when we when we first started talking about doing this podcast, one of the things that we said was, look, there's this Amazon TV series coming out. This is the time to get a Lord of the Rings, you know, a Tolkien podcast out there. And I think both of us probably expected to almost create podcast episodes around this, this TV show. The fact well, and that may still happen. Yeah, I, I agree. But the fact it's become something so much more, for me anyway, um, and hopefully, you know, we are establishing ourselves as a, as a Tolkien related podcast way before the you know the the tv series comes out but i'll definitely watch it i'm oh, not going to necessarily yeah i'm not necessarily going to love all of it that's dependent on you know many things but i will definitely watch it i'd be lying if i said um i wasn't actually really really excited yeah like, I, I just can't wait I, I just absolutely cannot wait I'm, i am really excited if, if still a little uh, fearful and, and hesitant uh, I'll, I'll uh, sort of paraphrase one of our awesome Facebook uh, members and, and, and followers and contributors and chime inners, um, Pepper. Yeah. She said, uh, you know, even, even if it's not good, and this is total paraphrasing, but she said basically, uh, even if it's not our cup of tea, if it brings people to read the books and get into Tolkien, then it's still great. And she's right, you know. She is right, as always. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Yep, 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 yep. So... Um, Amazon coming, and, and we'll keep jumping back into that uh, Amazon updates as we get more news. There's not a lot out there that's really official, but uh, the buzz is growing. Yeah, definitely. 
Cool. So uh, you want to grab that uh, mithril bag over there, and we'll jump into some dwarf mail. Okay. So if I put my hand deep into this bag, let's see what I can pull out. Right. Well, I have a question from uh, the one and only Jeff Lasala. So, hi Jeff, uh, thanks for sending this in. Um, he says, I thought up another fun question for you guys, and after you each answer it, maybe you can ask your listeners to answer it too. And now uh, you can tell us your answers in our Facebook group, so... Um, you can get to that, uh, the Green Door podcast. Uh, by all means, come along, knock on the door, and uh, we'll let you in. He says, if you could have one action figure made just for you of any character from the Silmarillion, who would it be? It could be an elf, a man, a demon, a Valar, a Maya, whatever you want. What would it be? Jeff himself has chosen Finrod. So oh. James, over to you. This question was agonizing. First of all, we got this question a really long time ago, so uh, sorry it took so long for us to get it, but uh, the, the mail around here is just not, uh, it's just not what it should be. Um, but man, have I ha- hummed and hawed and gone back and forth, and if you ask me this question on any given day, my final answer might be different. Because there's so many uh, awesome characters that could look really cool if sculpted out. Um, you know, with, like capes flowing. Yeah, I'm thinking like black riders on a horse could look really badass. Or um, yeah. if cer- if certainly uh, certain elves, um, you know, Glorfindel. Uh, there's, there's, there's some dramatic uh, looking characters. But if I really had to pick one uh, and narrow it all the way down, and I'll, I'll talk about my runner-up as well because I would have picked Huon as my as my overall champion. Like I would have picked him as my action figure, but without loophole, um, without the Red Maw, without uh, Karkaroth, um, you know, if I couldn't have the two of them together on a shelf yeah. of books, he would just look like a wolfhound. And to me, he would like <laughs> I, I would know. But do, do you know what I mean? It's not like Gandalf or and I, I, I guess like who's. When I say this, like, who's the shell for? If it's for me, who cares, right? But to have a yeah, Lord yeah, of the yeah, Rings-themed yeah. character that, that uh, I don't know, on for some reason, he just he got shifted to second when I realized I had to pick just one. And picking just yeah, one... Yeah, no, I get that. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a traditionalist. Uh, I love him. He won our poll. Um, or did he come second? Uh, Gandalf is my answer. A Gandalf lightning strike. How appropriate for... Uh, a terrible answer involving Gandalf. Jeff, I have to apologize. My uh, extreme ADHD combined with uh, the fact that a human brain auto-completes things. The first time I read that question, uh, months ago now, I read uh, Legendarium. I didn't read Silmarillion. So I was thinking uh, Gandalf, I actually almost answered Aragorn or Samwise. Um, so at least at least uh, Gandalf sort of applies in that Aloran is mentioned in the Silmarillion. But... Um, now that I know the actual question, I can give a much more concise answer. And, and I'm still not going to say Huan, even though I probably should. And I love that guy. Um, but I'm going to say Fingolfin, uh, just for the fact that he battled to, the, to his own death. He, he took on uh, Morgoth uh, and, and you know, fell to his mighty blow, or you know, seven of them, rather. 
But I think that's going to be the action figure from the Silmarillion I settle on. I think it would look really badass. Uh, I think it would be really cool. And it's a much better answer than the one I gave uh, a few minutes ago. So uh, thanks for letting me come in and, and correct that in the editing booth here. And uh, I'll get you back to the conversation. Yeah, uh, ads. That's my answer. Uh, okay. Jeff, that's mine. So listeners, uh, who's, some of you are going to agree with me. He's a popular dude. Uh, those who don't, tell me who you like. And, uh, and ads, we want to hear from you. Okay, so... I, I totally agree. You know, Gandalf would have been would have been a great a great shout. I suppose I will always associate Gandalf with with the Lord of the Rings, with with the Hobbit more than the Silmarillion. But um, who who would I choose? I think I think, and it's quite apt because of the chapter that we're about to to talk about and where we're sitting. Yeah, indeed. You know, inside of a. The Isle of, of Balar, there is a certain uh, surf god that I have always loved ever since starting to read this this wonderful book, um, and that's Osse. And there is a picture. Uh, I'll have to I'll have to put it into the Facebook group uh, and tweet it. Maybe there's a picture that I found of um, of Osse rising out of the the water. And he looks epic. And so if, if they could prepare a figure based on this picture, that would be my choice. Wow. Uh, no surprise, and yet um, I, I try to talk into somebody else, and I just I couldn't. It's such a good answer because he's... <laughs> first of all, there's not a lot of art about him. If you, if you try to find, like, you know, uh, artist renditions, there aren't a ton, which, is, which I sort of like in a way yeah. because... Now, like, if I get a Gandalf sculpt, is it basically, like, you go one of two ways. Is it an Ian McKellen sculpt, or is it, like, you know, sort of a more original, which, which if anybody does it since seeing the movies, they're going to be affected by the Ian McKellen one anyways. So, I don't know, it's like, for, in a lot of ways, I like the lesser-known guys better because it would be such an original action figure, and it would look um, so unique in that way, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the question's great because you get to look at it from a very personal perspective. So, I think that's why when you were talking about uh, Huen, you knew that that was a character from the Silmarillion. The fact that no one else does, um, that doesn't really matter. It Gandalf, doesn't. I just I'd be worried my kids would grab it thinking he's like part of the Scooby Doo set. <laughs> I got it, that, but that'd be my fail as a parent. Really, that would be my failing, my shortcoming as a parent if they didn't know who he was. So do, do you know what I was? I was watching um, with my my son yesterday. In fact, have you, have you seen uh, Robin Hood: Prince of Thieves recently? Of course. Yeah. So do you recently, know recently? Recently, right? I don't know. No, no, not recently. Well, do you know the scene where um, Little John's son is being chased by Guy of Gisborne, and he climbs the tree? And there's there's a pack of dogs and soldiers after him. Okay. Right. Well, I'd never never made the connection, obviously, until reading the Silmarillion. But basically, there's four or the five wolfhounds. massive wolfhounds. Sure. And that's the first thing I thought when I watched it this time. Oh, that's great. Hell. Yeah, and that's that's it. Never had it before. 
every time I watch that film now, that is what I will think. So yeah, they're they're an impressive animal, really. Just to see them uh, live is even sort of like you, you can't even get the the scale of how big they are. In yeah, and stuff. But they're really they're impressive, just enormous animals. Yeah, yeah. Um, Good yeah, stuff. he's he's great. Maybe I I want to change my answer now. Okay, I guess it's it's <laughs> it's. It's, it's Gandalf riding on Huon. Okay, so on to the next question. Good stuff. Uh, <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, I have to check. I Corey did. I can't help you. You did Corey it. You will see Shout when, when you listen rules. back. When you listen back, I do say loophole. <laughs> I know I heard it. Oh, you heard it. Okay, good Chop stuff. rules. What is that? Cutting that. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, great question, Jeff. And uh, he, yeah, he thanks, says Jeff. his answer is simple. Um, uh, when he picks Finrod, but uh, I don't think that's a simple answer. I think it's a great answer. Uh, and there's a bunch of uh, elves whose first names start with an F, and even F-I-N that you could pick as, as good choices as well. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Thank you, Jeff, for the amazing question. Hopefully we've answered it to your satisfaction. Uh, and from there, we're going to take it to the Facebook group where ads, we've got some new members, don't we? We do, yeah. We've got 91 now. It's It's a really good little place. I have to say, every single like day, too. yeah, every yeah. day, there are there are uh, notifications on my phone when I check them in the morning, when I check them at lunchtime, and it's just really, really good atmosphere. Yeah, everyone's lovely, everyone's really friendly, everyone's really informative as well. They, you know, they know their stuff. So, uh, we have some new people in there, um, and they are Jeffrey, um, Ashik. Corey, Corey Olsen, the, the Tolkien professor himself. Um, yeah, uh, spare no expense. Uh, Daniel Brush, Mr. Dave Donovan, um, Jennifer Brody, uh, John Garth, author of Tolkien and the Great War, James, is in wow, our Facebook you. group. We've got it. I mean, and you said Dave Donovan as well. I mean, look look at these names. And Ashik actually has been a crazy good uh, contributor as yeah, well. Yeah, Ashik's all over it. Um, We've got Julia, Julia Mercedes, Justin, Justin Stenson, Michelle uh, of Tumbling Sabre, uh, Patricia Pierce, uh, and then a couple of Sarahs, uh, Sarah, uh, Zag- Zag- <laughs> Sarah Zagaki, uh, apologies Sarah, uh, pronunciation is not my uh, forte, Sarah Zama as well, and uh, last but not least, Susie Riddler. So we're up to 91, it's growing. Uh, I didn't ever think we'd get anywhere near 100, and we are, we're not far off. And I figure we're only missing nine more Sarahs, and we'll be there. We've got about five, I think, at the moment, so we're doing well. Yep. Uh, I love that little group. It's fun. Uh, Hope you guys are enjoying it, too. Summer's been uh, slow for producing episodes, and sort of a little slow for me in the Facebook um, world as well, but I, I, I plan on building that up. I love the sense of community. I was saying this to ads... Uh, before we were recording on the walk uh, over here. And yeah. I, I was saying to him that I'm really enjoying the community and I'm really looking to foster it. So uh, you can, you'll probably see me being a little more active in there in the coming weeks. So, uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for following along. Okay, ads. I think we've beat around the bush for long enough. Let's get into this chapter. Uh, a chapter that takes place without much involvement from Melkor. Uh, In fact, one of two chapters that deal um, with this Mm. time of bliss and prosperity, uh, a time of peace and wonder. Um, Sounds pretty good, right? Well, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a chapter that 
on on reading it a second time, I got so much more out of it. And I know you say that about the book generally, but I mean this chapter especially, just reading it through again this evening, little things connected again, um, and you get a slightly different understanding, a slightly deeper one, very much peeling the onion. Yeah, it's it's a good one because it sort of uh, introduces to us the most important elves and how they're different from, from the other ones that are still peripherally existing in the world and make the world cooler. Like, mm. like for example, I'm sort of referencing right now the, the Van Yar, which are the elves that don't come back. Yeah. And really, they're sort of, we don't hear a lot about them. Um, but they're described as the fair elves. They're described as, like, sort of the, the highest in rank. And so, to me, the idea that those elves live at the foot of uh, Tiniquitel and, um, you know, they're their existence, even though I don't know about them in stories, it makes the world a cooler place that I want to know more about. There's a mysteriousness about them, isn't there? Which I think yeah. you you understand, you learn so much about the Noldor, um, and you don't really hear a great deal about the Vanya. No, and so, yeah, that's it. This chapter sort of gives us a little... A little taste of, of what's going on in these really good times in, in uh, basically what's the nicest place in Middle Earth. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, it, ju- it jumps us right in. Uh, the chapter itself is only about six or seven pages long, so it doesn't take long. Uh, and, and right away we're told that um, it's time for the for the elves that, that want to make the trip across the sea. Um, it's, it's time to do it. So Ulmo, uh, as much as he's uh, of, of all of the uh, Valar, um, the most reluctant, uh, he's the one who sent... Uh, to bring them over. Yes. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I'm just, I, just as I said it, I, 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 I'm curious to ask you. Why do you think, it, you know, he's the one who sort of didn't want to do it. Why do you think they sent him? Uh, well, I think it's the his obvious, domain, I guess, to start. Yeah, the obvious answer, is, I guess, is 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 the sea. You know, they're on one coast and they need to get to the other coast. I think um, he, he throughout the story he. He's almost the voice of reason, isn't he? I mean, you could argue that by bringing the elves over, it, it doesn't actually end brilliantly. No, and it's probably not, or it's, you know, it's, you could argue that it's likely not the will of Iluvatar. Uh, it's probably not what he wanted in the end for his children to live in Valinor. He probably, the grand design was seems to be like that wasn't it. So, mm. yeah. Uh, you could argue he was maybe right in that argument, and and him and Mandos, I think, the most uh, far-sighted uh, overall. I think that they have the they have the handbrake on a little bit more, don't they? Um, and especially here, you know, Olmo, he is against the elves coming over. He he, he does. He doesn't think necessarily that that's something that they should do. You know, they are happy where they are uh, in Beleriand. And, um... It's funny. He's sort of the, the, the teeter-totter in the middle that's sent to bring them over, and he sort of listens to both sides. He goes to get them when he's told to, but, like, when the, when the elves hesitate at all, he's like, okay, this, you, wanna, you don't want to go? We'll, we'll stop right here. Yeah, yeah, he, true. He, he sort of does listen to both sides. Like, he's, he's right torn right in the middle of the whole thing. How much of that do you but think... Yes. How much of that do you think is is Osei? Because he he's he's aware that Osei, who, I mean, how would you describe him? His his sort of brother or his his lieutenant uh, servant? I, I mean, it, yeah, sort of like be, you know, best friend, yeah. like little brother, 
Yeah. Little, little Brother's good. I think Little Brother's good because he's very against the elves going over. Yeah, he is. Well, and even selfishly uh, at one point too because as it says, what we're about to talk about, and we'll, we'll, I guess we'll jump right there, is, um, you know, Asse becomes really familiar with some of the elves living on the shoreline mm. uh, and, and once the, uh, the first two groups head over uh, in a really cool way, which we'll talk about in just a second, um, <laughs> Asse, you know, likes having the elves around to teach things to, like shipbuilding and to hear their music, and, and he's, he misses them when they're gone. Like, you know, when, when the shoreline is elfless at a point, he's, he's, uh, he, he finds it uh, quiet and, and, and lonely, and, and it's not for the better. But um, I guess I'm jumping ahead. Let's talk about um, Fairy Island, or an island fairy, or whatever this. we're going to call this thing. I yeah, love it cool? this. Yeah, it's brilliant. Such a great idea. Such a great way of, 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 of getting them from A to B. So the first two groups are ready to go over, uh, the Vanyar and the Noldor. And uh, so Olmo comes over, and, and they're on the shore, and there's a seat across to get to the, the Blessed Realm, to Valinor. Mm. So take it from there, Ad. Okay, so basically, Olmo, he uproots an island... So that there's this this island in the middle of the sea between between the two shores, and Olmo comes along, picks it up, and basically uses it as a, a boat, a ferry. Um, the elves get on the Vanyar and the Noldor. They embark upon the island, and they are drawn over the sea. Um, and what I think is brilliant is Tolkien describes the the eastern horn of the island that was so deep grounded um, around the mouths of Syrian, which is the big river that sort of flows into the sea, that that part of the island sort of breaks away and and remains where it was. And that's ever after called the Isle of Balar. And that is where Osse often comes to. And I read that, and the first thing I thought of is surfing. And, you know, the waves crashing against this island that's just off the coast. Um, it's just brilliant. You know, I, there's something about it too that struck me when they said it was so deep rooted that even like this this uh, god like being, you know, when he tried to break it off, it, it stayed there against even his will. Yeah. And and it becomes Asse's home. I thought to myself, like, that's Asse. Like, it's yeah, the waves are crashing around it. And it's a wild and and it's you know um, maybe hard to predict. And that area and the, it's like a, a pretty cool place, but it's also deep rooted. And that's look, Asse's like. He's not just all um, surface flash. I think he's got some some pretty good ideas, and the fact that he um, you know, revolted against his boss sort of once too shows he's he's got some pretty strong ideas of his own. So I like yeah. that. The deep rooted somehow struck me as a good personality trait for Asse. Good shout. No, I like that. I like that. Um, and you've got Union as well, haven't you? Obviously, that we learnt about in in a, in a previous chapter. So uh, Asse's wife, and you can just see the two of them. Um, interacting around the coastline as well. Awesome. Yeah, I love the imagery. Uh, and there, there was something we, we sort of gl- glanced over or sort of gleaned over there, but um, it says too when, when Umo um, first comes to get the elves before he uproots the island, they're, you know, they're a bit wary of him. They're a bit nervous. They're a bit mm. anxious. And he, he sort of quells that anxiety uh, with music. Again, going back to the you know the, the music of the ocean and the sound of the waves, and uh, they, they become enamored with him and with the ocean from that point forever. You know, sort of moving forward, which I I really liked uh, the imagery there and sort of 
what it put in my mind is the sounds of Olmo's music would be very uh, very rhythmic and, and long and slow. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it actually says, doesn't it, um, horns of shells. Yes. And, I mean, it, I definitely did this as a child, and I would have heard this saying numerous times from grandparents and, and mum and dad, you know, you, you'd have a big, a big old shell, and if you put your ear to it, you'd be able to hear the sea inside it. Um, of course. And, and that, that, when I read that, that particular sentence, that's the first thing I thought of, of a massive great pink shell in my mum's um, bathroom, which as a kid I used to listen to the sea in. Uh, yeah. And it's it funny, w- my kids just did that this weekend, last weekend, really? as we were at the cottage and there was a conch in one of the bathrooms and I was like, ah, I told them, you can hear the ocean if you put your ear to it. Yeah, see, we're Such still doing moment. it, we're passing it on. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I thought, uh, again, reading that, it was interesting to see that the elves were fearful of the sea and Olmo made them desire it. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. And also I thought it was important, uh, the distinction between like, or, or the, not the distinction, but the sort of connection between fear and desire. Like they're, they're really related emotions. And mm. he sort of ties them together nicely in this chapter a couple of times when he talks about how the elves feel about the ocean and, and Olmo. Yeah, um, yeah. He, and he, he did it previously as well, Tolkien did. And I thought, like, it's, it's true. There is a connection there between those two emotions, those two feelings of fear and desire. Um, it can be scary, right, to, yeah. to sort of to, to lust after something. Yeah, and, no, and, and the, the imagery of, you know, how powerful a wave can be as well. And, you know, that... that crashing against the shore or an island or, or whatever and, yeah strong emotions strong imagery as well yeah um he's really good at that stuff and he and so yeah we've got a fairy island um <laughs> that ferries them across the sea <laughs> to the blessed realm and the first two groups get off and and they make themselves right at home they do yeah they um they love it there don't they um many many years passed and uh they get to you know to bathe in the light of the trees and um they really they really do set down sit down roots right they uh, it's uh, tuna i believe is the name of their i think i'm pronouncing it right uh, i get that it's because of our friend jeff lasala and his primer when yeah. he wrote about this part he said you know just pronounce in brackets just pronounce just like the way you think it would be <laughs> but uh, the island of tuna is where they make their homes and i always picture it as sort of a sort of a smaller version of taniqua till um, yes. White towers and, uh, you know, I guess a Mount Olympus um, s- style home for the, uh, for the elves uh, underneath at the foot, foot of the gods, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so they, they, and they live there for a long time. Well, the third group, uh, half the, some of them are tarrying, um, just, you know, weren't ready to make the voyage yet. And, and while well, another bunch of them were still looking for their, uh, for their lord and friend and leader, um, who was making kissy faces with uh, a mire in the woods. Yeah, true, true love, I believe, wasn't it, I think? I said kissy faces. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't that mean true love? Kissy faces, yeah. I've got something to say again about that. I've, I've got to, you know, do it for May, but um, I, could, I could do it now, I guess. I mean, it's just, it's just convenient, isn't it, really, that um, the Teleri, you know, they finally... Well, let, let me backtrack a bit. Let me backtrack. Many, many years later, the Teleri decide to actually uh, follow the, um, 
the other elves uh, right. across. And um, Ulmo goes back. Ulmo, Ulmo plays over that. Ulmo goes back with yeah. the island, <laughs> moves another, the island back across the sea again. They get on. Yeah, pay their fare. Back across the sea again, but not all the way. No. Almost. Almost. Because, uh, well, Osei has a bit of a, a hissy fit, doesn't he? He, he de- well, yeah, and, and the, re- the reluctance of the uh, elves as well, I think, um, sort of weighs on Olmo, who was reluctant himself to bring them over. So, yeah, there's, uh, there's some resistance, and so the island gets just dropped forever, uh, <laughs> footed, near uh, the Blessed Realm, but just outside of it. Yeah, within, within, within sight, isn't it? And it's, it's called Tol Elise, the Lonely Island. Um, yes. And... There is an absolutely a beautiful passage that I will read in a, in a minute. Um, but first of all, I do want to just say that looking back to last week's show, or the last podcast we did, and the, the epic uh, battle between James, myself and May over uh, Thingol and, and Melian, it is convenient that just after the main Teleri hosts decide to leave to embark on that, that, that ferry, <laughs> that suddenly Elway awakes from his long trance and he becomes, well, greyer, more silver, taller, and a high doom is before him. But anyway, that's my little... I'll say this, there's pence. nothing convenient about love, Ed. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not getting into this again. Not getting um, into this again. No, I, I, it was it was uh, great to do last week, and I don't think we tried to settle it. And the f- sort of response on uh, social media suggested that there was we were all right. Like people agreed with all three of yeah, us. Some of us no, saw it all three ways. So it was a, it was a really really good to listen back actually to to it was to hear that that discussion because it was just good fun, wasn't it? It was good fun. But yeah, no, I, um, I, I'll uh, accept your apology, and you're right, it is true love. Let's move on. So <laughs> we've, got <laughs> uh, we've got an island um, dropped by Ulmo with a bunch, with the third group of elves on it. Yeah. Um, within sight of Valinor, uh, but still under the stars. Because you've got to remember, Valinor, on the other side of the uh, Pelori Mountains, yeah. um, on, on the safe side of the Pelori Mountains, on the west side of the Pelori Mountains, uh, is the light of the trees, uh, and it's always light. Uh, they don't have the stars, and so the elves got pretty used to it. They, they like the starlight. They have a special attachment to the stars in Barda. Hmm. And so the third group, who, who were the sort of least excited to get over there, um, tarry some more and, and uh, park it for a while on that island. They do. And, and what I loved was the book then talks about how the fact that the Teleri... You know, by parking that island, by by not quite getting over to a man, that is the first sort of real sundering of their speech. So they start to actually form a whole new language, really, or a variation on the language uh, to that of the Vanyar and the Noldor. Yep. And there is this amazing paragraph, which I'll read if you don't mind. It says... Um, to these, the Valar had given a land and a dwelling place. So Tolkien is referring to the Vanyar and the Noldor. Um, even among the radiant flowers of the tree-lit gardens of Valinor, they longed still at times to see the stars. And therefore, 
a gap was made in the great walls of the Pelori, and there in a deep valley that ran down to the sea, the Eldar raised a high green hill. Tuna, it was called. From the west, the light of the trees fell upon it, and its shadow lay ever eastward, and to the east it looked towards the bay of Elvenholm, and the lonely isle, and the shadowy seas. Then, through the Calisaria, the pass of light, the radiance of the blessed realm streamed forth, kindling the dark waves to silver and gold, and it touched the lonely isle, and its western shore grew green and fair. There bloomed the first flowers that ever were east of the mountains of a man. How good is that? It's really terrific. It's and, beautiful. And well-read ads, as usual, but uh, it's so... Thank it's, you. The imagery is so beautiful. The idea that they broke the mountains down yeah. to, give, to, to give sort of a, a skylight, if you will. Yeah, you um, can, just, you can it, visualize it. It's brilliant. I could just see the light falling through the mountains from both sides. I can sort of picture how it would look crashing through the Plory Mountains and catching the tip of the Lonely Isle or Toll Erisea, which um, um, is, is that um, parked island where the Teleri are living. And uh, they refer to it as, as the Lonely Island that's just out there. So it gets, um, you know, sort of as a, as a spin-off, as a symptom of yeah. them knocking yeah. down the Polari. Uh, to have a view of the stars, they get a little bit of the light of the trees, so much so that even on their island, where the light touches, yeah. the first flowers grow uh, you know, east of those mountains. Indeed. Awesome. Yeah, it awesome. is, and which, which makes you realize that actually, you know, flowers, they're not part of, of you know, what will become Middle-earth at that point. No. Um, Birds and flowers came later. It was mentioned at one point that they weren't there yet yeah. in Middle-earth, and here yeah. we, get an, we get the introduction of those flowers. It's great. Really, I just love that. I, I, again, reading that again tonight and just taking a little bit more in from the first time I read it and just realising exactly what was being said there. Uh, it's, it's just a great chapter. It really is, Ads. And as I read it, I found myself having a, a total Bilbo moment uh, as they're describing these world-shaping events, the knocking down of mountains, etc., moving of islands. I'm wondering to myself, like, I wonder what the names of those flowers were and, and what they looked like having a, uh, a throwback moment to Bayorn's garden. <laughs> but I digress. <clears throat> oh, something I wanted to mention, actually. Yeah? Uh, they don't sail, these elves that are on the Park Island within sight. When I say no. within sight, it sounds like maybe that they're you know, interacting with, but like, as you pointed out, the sundering of the language occurs because they don't sail. They don't row. They don't. They don't build boats. So well, they have. They have on this island. You know, they haven't been taught yet, have they? I yet. think that comes later on. They haven't in at the chapter. moment. Yeah, they haven't That's at right. the moment been taught the art of shipbuilding, which will later become, you know, their skill. So. That's right. Um, and and so uh, yeah, we'll, we'll take it from there. They the, the time passes, and even though they sort of have a, the best of both worlds, the desire to see the light of the trees and to be reunited with their with their friends, their kin, their people they love, the, the uh, Vanyar and the Noldor, mm. um, they do sort of uh, eventually um, desire it enough to, to make their way over. And so, again, Umo um, is called upon, and he asks your boy, Ase, yeah. to, teach, uh, to teach them how to build boats, like he did. He's already did this, he already did this once, it says in the chapter, um, with some of the elves who stayed back in Middle-earth. Yes. Uh, yeah. Kirdan uh, being one of them. Uh, Kirdan the shipwright, uh, a very important character, uh, basically one of the first or one of the first elves 
that Ase taught this craft to of shipbuilding. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's let's talk ships for a second. There's a, here's a great shout here. Ads. There is. It's brilliant, isn't it? Go for it. Um, so yeah, th- then we're told uh, Ase teaches them that uh, these parked elves on the uh, lonely island, just in sight of Valinor, uh, they they're taught how to build ships, and they do. But it's a windless sea, uh, and so they're gifted these giant, powerful swans to pull their boats uh, across the windless sea, which I I love, 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 love. It's so powerfully beautiful and poetic and magical. Yeah. But I I pointed out to you off. Air before <laughs> I found it a bit ironic that in a in a universe in a world where um, you know the guy who wants them there is the god of wind, uh, <laughs> he's forgotten that, to do it. <laughs> it's a windless sea that they have to face to get you know their final to get across their final sort of hump. But yeah, uh, I'll chalk that up to just the enchantment of the coastline or something. I yeah I, I agree. I think I think that's just a, a lovely passage and. What I thought of when I read that the first time was a link back to actually the Lord of the Rings itself and to Lothlorien. Yes. And, you know, the, the swan boats. Absolutely. And you just see a connection that the idea that's, that's come through from, you yeah, know, one, no, one book to another. I think that that's, that's really cool, the idea that the swans would be an important part of the, of the ship-making, um, pro, you know, uh, um, Shipmaking tradition for elves, based yeah. on sort of how it all started. Not, granted, those are the Teleri, and I guess technically Galadriel is uh, Noldor, but Noldor isn't you know, she? But. I still think I still think sort of we're rooting it back to the history of who taught them and how they first made the trip across to Elven uh, Bay or Elven. What's it called? Elven. Not Elven Home. Uh, is it? What's, yeah, is it Elven Home? Let me just look back. Uh, yeah, Elvenholm, the Bay of Elvenholm. Bay, that's it, the Bay of Elvenholm. So, um, you know, I, based on sort of how it all started, I think that's really a great shout when you see that in the movie. Uh, you know, Galadriel standing on that on that ship with the big swan head. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's beautiful, really cool. isn't it? And I believe, you, I think you put a photo of a, your new shelfie. Um, Sure did. <laughs> on earlier on today and I know that you've got a beautiful uh, version of the Silmarillion which has that fantastic picture on the front cover um, yeah the Ted Naismith oh it's uh, amazing awesome isn't it he's a, he's a great guy actually the, the one beside it is, is also his the, the, the blue cover with the picture you're talking about is his and it's new came out I don't know in the last couple of years yeah I definitely the want that one the one beside it in the picture is the red and black cover um, is also his same book, same illustrations, everything else inside. Um, just oh uh, right, I didn't realize that updated cover. I'm, yeah, I love them both. They're they're both gorgeous. I love that cover. It's definitely on my wish list. That that book. Um, yeah, um, striking, very striking. Absolutely, indeed. Um, and so yeah, we've got we've got that sort of great little spot. And oh, we glazed over something to another shout while we're talking shouts. It says in this chapter that we read, um, you know, while the elves are making themselves at home in Valinor. Uh, they really do like these trees. Uh, yeah, shedding yeah, all the yeah, light. yeah. And so it says, uh, so, you know, Yavanna, being the, the giver that she is, uh, gifts them some pretty special white trees. You know, it <laughs> sort of, it denotes that they don't give their own light, like like the uh, the two, uh, Telperion and, and Laurelin, but they are sort of hallowed, um, you know, trees that have, uh, that have, uh, 
There's a great lineage, isn't there? Yeah, great lineage. Thank you. That have a very important lineage. Yeah. So, um, and they're and mentioned, which, and it even it specifically straight up uh, names uh, Nimloth, the White Tree of Numenor, which I, know. which I just thought it's another great shout for people who have only maybe read the books or seen the movies. And it's those little nuggets, isn't there, that make you think, oh, brilliant! You know, that makes so much more sense now. I mean, it's ironic, really, but I think we'd be even more excited about this chapter if we had called the podcast um, a slightly different name. Yeah, this chapter would have been a, would have been a pretty special one. Yeah, but, but um, the green door will get its will get its day. Oh, the, the green door will definitely get its day. Definitely. All in due time. No, it's, um, that's a great shout. Great shout. Yeah, there's there's a couple in this chapter that I I sort of got the uh, the warm fuzzies over, and that was one of them. Yeah, the gondolins mentioned as well, isn't it? Later on, um, you know, when they're talking about the the various uh, Fs, yeah, yeah, yeah Feanors, yeah. your Fingolfins, and. You know, it refers to, to Turgon, Lord of Gondolin. And There's just, definitely you, a bunch of words that people will just, in their minds, call F-words. And that's okay to do that, because you'll get so annoyed that they're really just, they're, they are F-words. They are F-words, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are definitely F-words. Um, um, but, but yeah, no, you, you, uh, you get a few shouts of things to come. Uh, they, actually, in, in this chapter as well, he straight up tells you, does a little foreshadowing, and, and Tolkien straight up tells you that uh, the Noldor go back and the Vanyar don't. Yeah, he does. He just, he just sort of blurts it out at one point. He says, uh, you know, uh, that's that's coming. Uh, you know, so be ready for that. And it also, we get our first mention of uh, Galadriel. Yeah, and she's, it, she's, a, she's a badass lady. And, and it, it mentions it a little bit here. I wish uh, they explored more of her sort of backstory and who she was and how she became who she was yeah. at this point. Yeah, um, you got to do some digging really to find out the really really cool stuff about her. And when I say digging, I mean not necessarily even in the Silmarillion. There's some uh, history of Middle Earth stuff and and some other outside stuff that ha- that contains more about Galadriel. Mm. That's not you know, necessarily canon, depending on who you ask. But um, but man, there's she's really really one of the one of the badass ladies. And they they mention her um, in this chapter, and they mention um, also Aradel, another super. Badass lady. Oh, Eladel the White. Uh, another. Yes. Uh, even though she's got black hair, uh, apparently she only dresses in silver and blue. And uh, Aradel the White is um, like she goes toe to toe with some of the badass ass elves uh, ever to live. Uh, she's like a, a warrior, a fighter. Um, she, she can do it all. And Galadriel's got a little bit of that as well. She, you know, holds her own with her brothers. She's a bit, a bit so, like a bit like May, really. A lot like May. Yeah. Aradel the White is, is one of the people I think May would really sort of identify with and attach to the more she, she dug up on her. So we'll, we'll follow that up and ask May what she thinks. <laughs> um, the other thing I, I thought as I read this is it mentions how um, uh, Mamwe and Varda loved the Vanyar, so the Fair Elves, but the Noldor were b- beloved of, of Ole. And it says here, Great became their knowledge and their skill. Yet even greater was their thirst for more knowledge, and in many things they soon surpassed their teachers. And I've got down here in my notes uh, a Star Wars connection here. So, you know, the famous sentence that Vader says, Now I am the master. And it just. You know, you, you think of the likes of um, Feanor, who 
surpass uh, their their masters, I suppose. You know, they become able to create such uh, works of art in in the jewels um, that you know even Ole can't make them. Yep, and I, I love the idea that you can you can sort of outrank. Uh, in this in this universe, in the sense that you, the elves shouldn't have superior knowledge in anything, really, to to a Maiar or or a Valar, no. but apparently they can. And I, I like the idea that you know they had maybe superior knowledge in some senses. Uh, did to you some things? Did you get the connection to the dwarfs there as well? It says about how it came to pass the masons of the house of Finway quarrying in the hills after stone, and it's like you know they are effectively doing what they probably took the mick out of the dwarfs many, many years later. Um, I just thought I think, that was quite yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah it's, you, were, you were saying, you know, surpassed, uh, the, uh, the, the, the apprentice surpassing the, uh, the teacher, and there's a great Charlie Tuna, Charlie Tuna uh, yeah. from Detroit. Uh, actually, Caitlin uh, Alansari's neck of the woods. Who says yeah. Foolish is, foolish is the student who don't surpass the master. Yeah. Never learning is a fast disaster. And foolish is the student who don't surpass the master. So, um, there you go. We'll, uh, we'll say that Charlie Tuna's got the knowledge of Tolkien in his uh, rap. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, yeah, we basically wrapped up the chapter by now. At the end of this chapter, it uh, does some introductions um, that we don't necessarily have to get into uh, very much. Uh, it leaves us with the idea uh, that um, the Vanyar stay and the Noldor um, are going to become are going to come back because they tell us that, and the Teleri know how to build ships. Mm-hmm. So you know we're we're left with that information, um, and we're we're also ending the time in the book where it's so peaceful and Melkor is not in the picture. Uh, he's coming back next chapter. Just because you've mentioned his name, can I say one more thing? Of then? course, because. Right, right at the end of this chapter, it talks about one of the F's, an F that we're going to become very, very familiar with over the next few chapters, uh, Feanor. And it says, Feanor and his sons abode seldom in one place for long, but travelled far and wide upon the confines of Valinor, going even to the borders of the dark and the cold shores of the outer sea, seeking the unknown. What does that remind you of, James? Oh, like exploring the void. Yeah, yeah uh, I, c- I can see that. It didn't. It didn't strike me until you pointed it out just now. But it, it, yeah, it's the same sort of desire that Melkor had. Um, you know, that's what unique, I thought. Unique I, 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 saw, his, uh, I saw a. Com- oh, that's that's good. That's good ads. I like that. I saw a comparison with Feanor and, and Melkor. Oh, it's huge. And you know that will it's become. I, I can't believe I that never. That will become. Yeah. I can't believe I never saw that before. Good shout, man. Yeah, for sure. That's that's a similar parallel. He, yeah, I think it is. I think it's saying, Restless. you know, look at the weaknesses of, of Melkor and the weaknesses of They're Feanor. very similar. He's, pr- he's pride, he's boastful, he's, he's uh, vain. Yeah. Um, he's, you know, yeah, and, and they're, he's not satisfied uh, with anything he has. Same, same with Melkor. No. That's really good. I'm just wondering if I can find quickly, I might not be able to, but if I can find the actual wording of the final indelay. Um probably can't very quickly i can plug it in later but it is yeah it i'll let you i'll let you plug it in then james but i i would imagine it's pretty similar in words i would imagine it it is it says yeah yeah, it says he had gone off and alone into the void places seeking the imperishable flame for desire grew hot within him to 
bring into being things of his own. But it was it's definitely that that's what jumped out to me when I read it. No, I like that ads. It it hadn't necessarily jumped out to me, but it does glaringly now. I think that's really cool and mm. I, and like you say the traits that they share in common are not good ones. So, so. No. No. <coughs> No. But they do create some pretty amazing things, the two of them. They do, absolutely. I mean, you could say they are, he is, he is arguably the greatest elf. Uh, yes, and so much so that uh, I love this in the book. When he's born, um, he, his birth tr- takes so much out of his mother. She says something to the effect of, yeah. uh, she, I'm paraphrasing, but she says so much to, it's, it's, uh, I can't birth you any more children because it almost killed me. Uh, he took, uh, out of me what what should have been the energy for like 10 kids you know he took it all yeah and, and he just cons- he consumed yeah. didn't he everything that was good about him he's, he's a pretty you know um, super elf like he's got a lot of skills talents and, and uh, strengths yeah yeah uh, we will find out a lot more over the next few podcasts I would imagine yes sir uh, that was that was really fun uh, going through that. I can't wait to hear what people think. Um, what we said, what they, the stuff we skipped over that you want us to talk about, please chime in. Find us over at, uh, like Ads said, the Green Door Podcast uh, Facebook group or over on Twitter at the Green Door Pod. Uh, we'd love yeah. to hear from you. We really do, don't we? I mean, it, that's what's been so wonderful about the whole of this is the interactions, the friends we've made. Um, so please do get in in touch let us know Uh, yeah while while we're on that sort of little tangent you just said the word friends I'm going to jump on that bandwagon and mention some of ours before we end the show and and we're getting close to that Uh, first I want to say uh, our buddy Joel uh, who I spoke to a couple of times on social media I we toyed with the idea of getting him on this episode but then we got delayed and delayed um, he will, we will have his voice on this show at some point, and he'll be talking about his new book. So congratulations on that, Joel. I wish we'd gotten this episode out sooner, because uh, your book's been out for, for weeks now. But um, I want to... Con- <laughs> That's our <yeah>. bad. <laughs> it is our bad, but uh, I want to congratulate Joel Hawbaker on his new book, Inverted Leadership, uh, Lead Others Better by Forgetting About Yourself. And so he'll be on at some point to mention uh, that book and tell us a little bit about it, but I uh, wanted to say congratulations, Joel. I also yeah great yeah, stuff. He, he's a he's a really, uh, great member of our groups. I also wanted to um, point out that if you haven't yet, you should check out the following people's um, writing. Um, Olga, Melody Muse, uh, she's got her latest reflections out uh, about Muriel, and uh, it's a really good one. It's worth your time, so go check her out. You can find her at Melody yep. Muse uh, on Twitter. Uh, you've got Jeff Lasala's ever entertaining um, ever <laughs> ever you know, leaving us in the dust with his Silmarillion primer uh, he's so far ahead of us now uh, but I just love reading it every week and the title of this one The Tragical Misery Tour um, I'm just going to leave it at that there's a little more to the title but I just love that I love that play on words yeah. uh, is really good so uh, find him on tour.com and read his stuff um, we've also got our, our good friend uh, Matthew Salvatore who's um, always making amazing, amazing, amazing stop action videos. And if you haven't checked out his work yet, they're awesome. They're so good. So go to YouTube. Oh, they're um, brilliant. Check out uh, Warriors, excuse me, World's Finest or Boba Fett. Those are two of his favorites, and I'll link them in the uh, show notes 
um, underneath where you downloaded this show. Um, good yep. stuff. Two more uh, real quick ones. One is um, our good buddy Matt Keegan from Down Under. Uh, haven't plugged Hindsight in a couple of shows, and I should because it's a great book and he's a great yep. guy. So if you haven't bought Kigo. Hindsight, go buy it. And our good friend Rob Wade, whose ebook, Assorted Thoughts on Podcasting, is available on Kindle. So go check it out. Rob Wade is an awesome dude and he knows a lot about it is. podcasting. It's, it's, he's got a ton of experience. So he'll be able to hook you up with all you need to know. Yeah, I think yeah, Rob, Rob's book is uh, basically his sort of views on, on podcasting and little tips and things that he's discovered that are good things to do, things that he's discovered that you know, maybe don't, don't work as well. Yeah, he's been doing it for a while, and he's got good ideas, and he can save you some time and frustration because uh, there's lots of little tricks, and Rob's a smart guy who's been doing it for a while, so we'll, we'll uh, plug his book as well. Yeah, what he doesn't know isn't worth knowing. There you go. Well said. <laughs> Bilbo would be proud. Yeah. Um, so, ads. James. Who do you want to thank or say goodbye to before we close up? Yeah, I think you've pretty much... Ticked, ticked every single box. I mean, we thanked uh, Tumbling Saber obviously earlier on. Um, you plug them again. Give them a little shout. I love those guys. Oh, Tumbling Saber. If you, if you want to kick off with a Star Wars podcast, uh, look no further. Uh, Tumbling Saber is part of the Star Wars Commonwealth. There's loads of loads of great shows in there as well. But um, yeah, go check them out. Uh, and if you want another uh, Tolkien-based podcast, then. You really can't go wrong with a prancing pony. So um, love those guys too. Alan They're and awesome. Sean, yeah, they are they are a little bit ahead of us. Um, so you know they've already done the Silmarillion, but They're uh, a lot ahead of us in every way. They are they are <laughs> <laughs> they are ahead of us in every way, but definitely well worth a listen. Yeah, no, they're great. Uh, we've got always great members contributing. Uh, you know, Strangeland Elf's art uh, at Strangeland Elf on Twitter. Her art's always great at Jay Glover Art. His art's always amazing. Go yeah. Um, we just we like having everybody involved, so anybody who wants to reach out to us, if you haven't before, don't be shy. Um, we don't bite hard unless you're holding Lembes bread. That's true. But we've also got some, some musical talent, haven't we? Yes, sir, and talent is the right word. As always on the way in, we heard from at Beyond the Guitar on YouTube, Nathan Mills. Go check out Nathan's music. He's just incredible. And we also, on the way out, we'll hear from... Harry Merle, who's equally talented and engaging and wonderful to listen to. So thank you, thank you, thank you guys for your awesome music. It adds a lot to the show. Um, sorry to May who couldn't make it. Yep. Uh, I'm going to pass the uh, the send-off mic to Ads. I'll let him say thanks to his beautiful wife, Sophie, and anyone else he wants to mention. Well, thank you to my beautiful wife, Sophie, uh, to my three gorgeous children, uh, and just... Thanks to all you guys out there. It's been another good show. I've had a lot of, lot of fun recording this with you, James. And um, on to the next one. It's always fun. It's always super fun. Let's grab a bucket of sand and uh, douse this fire because we've got a long walk back. It's got to be like 300 leagues back to the Shire. For I, I'm going for a surf. <laughs> you would. <laughs> you would. If, if there's anyone who's a phalathrim, uh, phalathrim. It's me. Uh, at heart, it's yeah, you. Definitely. Yeah, thanks. All right, buddy. Been a good show, mate. Been a good show. As always, we'll see you uh, very soon and everybody else. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Take care.